Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the 14th Drunk Friend Podcast. As always, we are your host. I'm Travis, joined by Alex. Alex, how are things going for you? Oh, you know, I'm always really happy to record these with you because it's been a really long week for me uh, in terms of, like, my actual job and work and that sort of stuff. So it's it's like, oh, it's time to record a podcast. This is This will be fun. And, um, yeah, so <laughs> it's been rough. How about you? How are... How are things going for you? Uh, yeah, it sounds like better than they are for you. Uh, I wouldn't classify my last week or so as having been rough, um, but I am still missing sports. We talked about college football last week, which got me really pining for college football, and uh, it's yeah, it's, it's I guess it's still in question. I think teams are are hanging out with one another and and maybe getting kind of close, but who knows if we're going to have a football season? So, um, but yeah, that was a fun episode at least. Yeah, um, we got some good emails about that, too, that we'll get to shortly. Um, I just want to mention real quick that uh, just, just selfishly mark this moment in time <laughs> for, for myself. <laughs> this was the week that I put out the uh, RoboCop 2 video where I had to record the footage three different times. And thank God it was an arcade game. And that was only about 20 minutes to play all the way through because I kept screwing up the footage. Like, oh, I managed to crop out the health bar at the bottom. Let's try it again. I, I don't even notice until after the fact. And this guy's... And then something else goes wrong. This guy's Ugh, got 700 just... videos under his belt, still finding ways to screw it up. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's on the cutting edge of screwing up in the retro gaming universe, believe me. <laughs> and then I managed to butcher this Portuguese actor's name. Like Joaquin something something I can't even remember. It's the guy from Desperado, the bad guy from Desperado, and he's also in Clear and Present Danger as a drug lord or cartel guy or something. I forget. But uh, so did you have to re-record the voiceover? No, just I just I winged it, and then uh, a whole bunch of Portuguese people made fun of me. Ah. So another another day in the life. <laughs> I don't mind it. It's just another day. I don't mind getting getting a little bit of like, hey man. This was this was you know wrong, but it's when they they get personal about their corrections that it sucks. <laughs> I think most people are cool about it. Um, it's just when you get like comment number fifteen that it's like, okay, all right, I get it, <laughs> I messed up. <laughs> like, jeez, Louise. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of my comments recently have been like really small corrections, and I'm like, why do people still value my stuff? Like, it seems like they're always just catching things wrong with it. Like. I, and I appreciate it because last year I did a video at the end of the year that was just like, here are all the things I got wrong. And then I credited <laughs> every commenter that pointed it out. Cause I actually think it's cool. Like I'm, I'm part of this is, is me learning. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. I don't know if I'll continue to do that though. That's nice. That'd be like a four hour long are video. Are you going to do that again? <laughs> are you going to do that again this I year? Might, I, I might. Say? Some of them are actually pretty, pretty good. And it's not maybe like corrections, but it's like, Hey, did you also know this? And I'm like, I didn't. That's, I wish I'd included that. So that would be my chance to do that. Oh. Well, speaking of screwing up, I ma I managed to ruin your perfectly good segue. Oh no! Uh, I... I stomped all over it just so I could go back to my crappy uh, RoboCop video. No, I wasn't. But, I wasn't uh... <laughs> trying to segue. I, I just I got to thinking about college football again, and every time I do, I get sad. I know. And then baseball manages to screw everything up too. <sighs> and it's like, what are you guys doing? You guys had the chance to be the first sport back to have the entire every everybody watching just because they're starved for sports. And you mess it up. Yeah, and it's true. I hope uh, the same fate does not defall, uh, befall uh, college football. Yeah, yeah. who knows what'll happen. I'm, I, you know, mm. maybe the uh, ESPN Ocho will find, just invent a new <laughs> form of college football that can maintain distancing and just make it fun and interesting. Like everyone's in a bubble <laughs> and, you know, like, a, like, ever, like uh, 22 bubble boys, everyone's in a bubble bouncing off each other. That could be fun. Yes. Yeah, I think that'll be fine as long as uh, John Travolta is nowhere to be found near the field. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, let's get into some emails. Um, and by the way, I didn't release a video this week because uh, I'm doing that thing where I take a week off before I release a video that has multiple games in it. Wink, wink. Oh, so goodness. I got a big one coming, is, is all I'm saying. Can, can, can you spoil anything? Can you give me a hint oh, of, yeah. of what it is? Um, Let's see. Could I could I give a hint that would let you guess it? Probably not. I'm not that clever, but um, it's just more wrestling games on the NES. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, because before I did the <laughs> WCW and WWF ones, and now I'm doing like the ones that are mm -hmm. not you know professionally endorsed, affiliated. Yeah, yeah, which are pretty fun. They're pretty interesting. So there's that. Okay. So some emails. So this one was from Matt, and he pointed out um, that we didn't do such a good job discussing purely 
90s college football. We kind of made it all about ourselves, Alex. So let's get into it. He says, hey, fellas, I must say I was disappointed that in a podcast about 90s college sports, the only mention of my beloved Nebraska Cornhuskers was our heartbreaking loss in Blacksburg in the early 2000s. It was actually 2011 and 12. So take that, Matt. Um, (laughs) I heard nothing about our three national championships in four years, competing for another one and losing to Charlie Ward, our six top 10 finishes, and our 1996 team, which is arguably the greatest NCAA football team of all time to this day. And yes, our fan base is stuck in the 90s. (laughs) If you just do a quick Google search for the last two decades of Nebraska football, you'll see why. And I haven't done that yet, but I meant to, but maybe I should later. Um... He says, in regards to that game in Blacksburg, I unfortunately didn't have the chance to go, but I know several fans who did make the trip, and they all had a very positive experience. They say that the VT fans were super hospitable, to the point where my brother even still keeps in contact with some of the guys he met there and tailgated with. He actually still roots for VT secondarily to Nebraska. That's nice to hear. It's nice to know that there are good fan bases out there, because as a fan who has done some traveling, there are some real assholes out there, and no doubt about that. He, uh, on later, we're going to save uh, the rest of his email for a future um, question in the podcast. But he also ends it with, uh, "Also, what is a hokey?" And I'm a hokey. Couple, couple, couple. Uh, cheers, gents, Matt. Thanks for that email, Matt. I, you know, we didn't really talk about, I guess, college '90s sports as a whole in terms of greatness. We really tied it into our personal experiences in gaming. But I mean, I certainly remember those Cornhusker teams from the '90s, and I think the reason that uh, I mentioned, you know, beating beating Nebraska in those games uh, as a Hokie fan, it was such a big deal because, you know, while Nebraska might be a little past its prime at that point, it's still a big deal to beat Nebraska at home and at Blacksburg. So that, that's more of a testament to, to the caliber of a program Nebraska has and had uh, as to why it's so memorable. So kudos to the Cornhuskers. And yeah, I think uh, all the Cornhusker fans I met were really nice too. It was actually just a big, I remember there were a lot of, uh, a, a big, a kind of a, a friendly competitiveness about which fan base could be more hospitable to the point that it was kind of, it was kind of <laughs> gross. Like th- there was, <laughs> there was no like, um, like hoorahing or booing, no like trash talk that you normally get at college football games. It was just you know, people hugging and talking about corn, um, which just I guess is aggressive, aggressive niceness. Kind of was. Yeah, it kind of was, but that's not all bad. That's not all bad. But yeah, thanks Matt for that email. Well, all I can say in response to that, you know, I'm I'm not a uh, uh, much of a Virginia Tech guy, to be honest with you, or much of a Nebraska guy. I kind of hated Nebraska <sighs> when I was uh, younger, when I was growing up, and it was only because they were so good, because oh, yeah. I was just sick of them being in every big game. So I, I, I Tommy Frazier was amazing. He was an incredible player. Dude was sick uh, to uh, watch. I mean, that. What was the final score of that national championship game? Was it like 62 to 20-something? Oh, yeah. Where he, he had that unbelievable run for like how 60 yards or whatever. The guy was unbelievable. But yeah, I, I just remember hating Nebraska. And I remember finding it very funny that uh, Bo Pelini became the meme that he did. <laughs> yeah. And again, I think hating Nebraska is sort of a respect to Nebraska. So there's that. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, and then we have another email. We got another, yeah, we got another email from Paul. And uh, let's see. He says, hi, I hope you're having a good weekend. Just wanted to stand for my college team, the Auburn Tigers. They are a wonderful team to be a fan of because they barely scrape by on games they should win easily. They lose games they should have been able to win. But most importantly, they win games by miracles when they had no business winning. Every game except the two annual... <laughs> or except the annual Division Two game, is full of drama, twists, and turns. Unless you're Michigan and you lose to Appalachian State. <laughs> Have a great week. Love both your channels, Paul. Nice, yeah. I mean, who doesn't, uh, who doesn't love to watch, what is it, the, the Iron Bowl? Is that the Alabama? Yeah, it was the Iron Bowl. The, the Chris Davis with uh, Vern Lundquist on the call, which was just, I saw that happen live. I was at my parents' house. And I was just like, why is Saban going for a field goal here? It makes no sense. It's 57 yards. This dude, Alabama kickers, it's a meme for a reason. And it just became even more of one after that. It was, I was very, very happy to see Alabama lose, though. That was awesome. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Paul. We appreciate it. And um, yeah, 
All right. Uh, I do know that Auburn stole one of uh, Virginia Tech's esteemed recruits this year, so I'm a little salty with you, Paul, to be quite honest. Oh, to be quite honest, I'm a little upset, really? but that's okay. Really? All right. So our, our last email here today from Grant. He says, hey, guys, back again. Sorry to be so chatty. That's okay. Haven't had any long drive to listen to your podcast. So behind. Also, stop being so good. I can't handle all these good YouTube channel suggestions. <laughs> Just kidding. What's he kidding about? The being so good part? I hope not. Um, <laughs> anyway, since uh, oh, Drunk had Pearl yelling, quote unquote, from the other room about the nerd voice, I've been wondering if you'll have like significant others of YouTubers episode. Then I heard the hilarious mm. uh, Final Fantasy VII remake convo and was reminded of that thought. Also, I tried out Girlfriend Versus on the show's recommendation, and it almost seems like a good connection. I don't know. Had to share with my wife, who likes only some games too, as I try to get her to try new things all the time. Anyway, sorry to be so chatty of a listener who refuses to use Twitter or Reddit. And actually, I think that's um, that shows good discipline on your part. Yeah, good for you, Grant. Yeah. That's you're you're on the, you're doing the right thing there, in my opinion. Yeah, man. Stay stay clean. Uh, <laughs> Congrats, Ness friend, on getting that doctorate, and thank you so much, Grant. Also, too honored to be the letter of the show and drunk. It's always friends named Dustin. Thanks for remembering who I am. You guys are great, Grant. So thank you, Grant. We appreciate it. Yeah, Grant's referring to the uh, the my friend from uh, grade school who uh, he was super into Bigfoot and monster trucks. And yeah, it's always friends named Dustin that are into Bigfoot and monster trucks and stuff. Yeah. Do you mean like the monster truck named Bigfoot or he also liked Sasquatch? <laughs> no, the monster truck oh, named okay. Bigfoot. I, I, I believe he was ambivalent about uh, Bigfoot, the uh, <laughs> mythical creature. I don't think he had any strong feelings about that particular Bigfoot. But um, anyway, yeah, thanks for, thanks for taking the time to listen, Grant. And um, I have seen Girlfriend Versus before. He's actually commented on my videos before. Mm. Um, or maybe it's her uh, behind the YouTube. I don't no, it's know. Him. It's I'm Curtis. pretty sure it's yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's him. But um, yeah, they have some good stuff. Entertaining. Um, and it's always interesting to um, get that kind of side of it. Because, um, you know, Pearl kind of has her own little universe. You know, I'm over here playing like arcade games and super nintendo stuff and super famicom stuff she's playing new stuff <laughs> you new know stuff. she's kind of a regular gamer they kept that making games sense, after 1998 she... <laughs> there's more games after that what are you kidding man well oh well but um yeah no it's uh what is she playing now i can't i think she might actually be just be playing the original silent hill right now or something like that but um Oh yeah, I think I saw a tweet. Yeah. She was she was making fun of some interesting commentary from from the game. I think it is uh, like Silent Hill. Yeah, Island. it was. You don't have time to stare at the stupid poster or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's some good writing in those games for sure. Yeah, I you know I don't think I told my my wife the other day I was kind of excited about the milestone and I was like, hey, my um my YouTube channel just just hit a thousand subscribers and she was like, cool. You do a YouTube thing too? I was like, yeah. <laughs> so she's she's not really tapped into what I do, but that's okay. She's got her <laughs> own thing. I got my own thing. And she she's only ever played one game. Actually, this is kind of an interesting quick story. She wanted to play a video game. Like she got kind of into it uh, at this point eight years ago. She was like, I really want to play um, a game. And I was thinking, I was like, all right, what can I start her out on? It's like, there's, there's some Kirby's. Um, there's some, like, I was trying to think of like easy stuff that could, you know, <laughs> be the door of the gateway and she's like no 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 i want to play skyrim i saw you playing that and that looked fun and i was like you know this person you know she had never played in a 3d space she had never used dual stick controls she never i don't know as far as i know hadn't held a controller since she was like eight i was like i don't i don't know how how that's going to work but yeah we could we can try it and it did take her a little bit of time like i think when she first started out like going upstairs her character would just be nose first into the wall just kind of scaling up like she couldn't get down that 3d space <laughs> But I will say, uh, after hours and hours, she ended up beating that game twice. She ended up... Oh, she wow. Through, she just loved it. So uh, I thought that was incredible. But again, she's not on the pulse of games. She doesn't really care about the stuff that I do or the stuff that I make. She she totally like is cool with me doing it. So yeah, it's just it's just interesting. Different strokes for different folks. But uh, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. The way you were leading up to that, I thought you were going to say... No, I really want to play Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you sure about that? Yeah, but, gosh. Um, nah, I... yeah. Skyrim, yeah, that's, that's, that's another one, though. That's, that's interesting. 
So how long did it take her to, you said it was, it took what, like a few days of playing a few hours a day for her to finally get like a real grip on the, not only the controls, but like, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? That sort of thing. Yeah. She had, uh, she had the, I guess the benefit of watching me play it a little bit. And that's really what inspired her. So she got the, she knew the loop of the game, what you were supposed to do and, and all of that. It was just, you know, like you said, getting a grip of the controls to be able to do it. And she's the kind of person that will like read anything she picks up and, you know, inspect everything. And I, I'm not like that. I can almost immediately, you know, my experience in games tells me like, I know that's important. That's not important. So I, I end up glossing over certain things. She was just taking it all in. She's, you know, extremely into it. And it probably took, I'm trying to remember, there were some times where she got really frustrated and she was like, I just, I can't, the controls and like combat was, was hard for her because it's real time. Um, but she kept at it. I was, you know, really impressed. She basically powered up her magic and just kept a distance from everything and shut everything from, from the <laughs> darkness. So sweet. Yeah, it was really cool to watch. You're not one of those people that checks everything. Like, like when it comes to like role-playing games, I mean like, Oh man, you'd hate the Lufia games then because you really <laughs> do need to check everything multiple times. Well, I, I, I'm, Breath of Fire, I'm always too. looking for the stuff. Cause I'm a, I'm a, I have the, the collection itch. But if I like pull out like, you know, think about modern games, if there's like uh, an audio log or like some some long piece of story that uh, was written and hidden in a desk and it, it probably not going to read all of that. I'll, I'll skim through it and see, like, is there anything in here that <laughs> seems like it's important? Because I feel like a lot of games nowadays just have filler for the sake of filler. Just like, look how deep our lore is. There was a there was a 22 page <laughs> book in this guy's desk. Like, thanks. <laughs> And you open the first page. It was a dark and stormy night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where read through this whole like novel of crap. Yeah. But my wife, I mean, Skyrim <laughs> has tons of that, and she was she read all the books. Wow. Yeah, she was so into it. Yeah. Huh. Pretty cool. I'll be darned. She hasn't touched a video game since. She got excited. <laughs> played. She liked it so much. She never played. She just it yet. retired. They they raised her controller to the rafters. <laughs> retire the controller yep yep it's it's hanging over our kitchen right now yeah it's <laughs> nice all right well let's uh without further ado let's get to this episode's guest uh this guy he he kind of came on my radar relatively re- recently i would say within the last two years or so and just kind of interacting with me on twitter and stuff like that and and to be honest out of the gate i didn't really know he had a youtube channel and I finally dug in on that and was blown away by the quality, all of the topics he approaches, a lot of really cool organizational collection stuff that I think there's a lot of that stuff out there, but this guy really sets himself apart uh, in doing that. So he's, it's not a channel that's prolific in terms of like numbers of videos or subscriber base or anything like that, but it should be because it's really solid. He has some of the most useful content out there for retro gamers because he addresses the problem that all of us face as whether you collect a whole lot or not, or whether you have only 10 games or 20 or even just a few for only just a couple systems or maybe even only one system. Point is, you got to put some place, you got to find a place to put your games. And this guy comes up with all sorts of cool, uh, crafty solutions of like what, what to do with these things. And my favorite thing, and it's his most popular video, is uh, these mini boxes he came up with. He makes them, himse- makes them himself, he prints them out himself, and he shows you how to do that through the, his videos. And they're just fantastic. They're, they're great to watch. They're very professionally made. And um, if you're any kind of retro gaming person, I can't imagine you would be if you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> but um, if you happen to be uh, of that mindset, you got to check this guy's channel out because he has a lot of useful information. All right. So, and he's a fun interview to boot. So coming up, top spot, one, two, three. Okay. First of all, top spot, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on Drunk Friend. Well, uh, it's really more like thank you for having me on. I'm not really sure yet what I'm doing here, but uh, thanks for inviting me. It's a lot uh, bigger room than I imagined. Yeah, yeah, it's a you know big big drunk friend room. You got to have a lot of room when you uh, when you flail after a big drunken uh, time. 
But yeah, as is tradition on the show, speaking of drunk friend, we have to ask uh, if you are drinking a beverage, what it is. Well, I got the uh, world's finest fire water uh, minus the fire because uh, it's just tap water. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with that, man. Well done. Yeah, I'm drinking something close to that. It's just a Sam Adams, so I'm not not too far removed from tap water at this point. I don't think. Does Sam Adams even make a regular beer anymore? They have so many like <laughs> offshoots and stuff. Yeah, no, I know. I have a joke with my friends. It's like. The the worst beer in a Sam Adams um like the variety pack is always the Sam Adams. It's like <laughs> it's like man, this, this variety pack would be awesome if it didn't have Sam Adams in it. <laughs> usually, all, I feel I feel like their offshoots are usually pretty good, but this is actually this actually is an offshoot. It's the Sam seventy six lager. I don't know what's so different about it, but so it's okay. Very patriotic. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah, I was thinking like nineteen seventy six. Like maybe this was the year they bottled it, and it was like vintage. <laughs> But yeah, you're probably right. It's probably patriotic. What else happened in 1976? Uh, I think Rocky won Best Picture. Wow, was um, that 76? Yeah, either because One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Next is 75 and Annie Hall 77. Don't ask how I know all this, but it's, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, Carter was elected. You, Maybe it's. Yeah. Uh, you, you say all the time your memory is terrible, and then you go through spells where you're just naming the best movies of 1976. <laughs> Um, I couldn't name another movie that came out in 76, but I know Rocky. Well, I'm drinking um, a, what do you call it? Uh, it we, it's a local brewery here called uh, Tractor Brewing, and they have a blood orange cider, and it's very tasty. Nice, nice. It's also 6.9%, which is nice. Wow, yeah, that's impressive, actually. I was going to make fun of you because it was a cider, and I was going to say that somehow me drinking the Sam Adams, I was drinking the... The heavy bevy tonight, but six point nine is is that'll, pretty good. That'll get you there. Yeah, man. Oh, it, it's it's getting me there. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, let's get into this interview. So, top your channel covers gaming in a few different ways and from a few different angles. How would you describe your YouTube channel? Well, uh, ever since I first got into video games, I kind of just never got rid of the stuff that I got. So before I knew it, it was a <laughs> collection. And so I kind of take take it on as collection focused, right? So sometimes it's something like uh, historical about what I have, and sometimes it's uh, different kinds of uh, game room ideas, things that you can do to help organize or display or just keep track of the things that you have. I don't have, I mean, it, I kind of sort of have a format, but I'm I'm small enough and loose enough that I can kind of get away with doing what I want from time to time. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it does seem to. It seems like maybe even over time it's it shifted a little bit. Like maybe you you started to find things that worked and focused on that more. There's like a lot of yeah. gameplay and stuff in the beginning. Now it seems to have shifted over to what are my favorite videos um, in your catalog, which are the game room idea series. And I think for me, organizing the collection and tweaking the displays is often honestly a lot more fun than on some of the games in my collection. Is that true for <laughs> you as well? Yeah, I'm, I mean, not not a hundred percent true because I don't buy games that I don't want to play. Mm. Um, it's nice to have them on the shelf, but if I'm not intending to play it, I don't really have a, a need for it. Um, so in that aspect, it's probably not the best. But to have it in your hands and to to do something, I was chatting with someone in one of my comments today. It's like to have a hand, a homemade or a handmade touch to your personal space. Um, I think that's kind of an important thing. Even if it's just the way that you alphabetize or the way that you keep certain games together, you know, it it could be something as simple as that. But everyone has their own uh, ways they like to do things. Yeah, like for some people like to put Zelda, like any Zelda game as Z. Yeah. And it's, I used to, that used to drive me insane. It's the legend of Zelda. It's not, you know, yeah. <laughs> just the pedantic in me went, went crazy. But now I'm like, hey, it's your collection. You, you do what you want with it. So, like, if you know where to find it, that's usually good enough, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the big one for me being an NES guy is separating my Contras because you got Contra, mm -hmm. Contra and Force, C. and Super C. It's like, yeah. uh, that's, that's got to go with the C's. It has to. Yeah, it has to. Has I to. definitely, generally, I keep all the the sequels and the regardless of the titles, I keep them all together too. Yeah, the one that drives me crazy in Super Nintendo is that there's, uh, you know, there's Madden ninety three, ninety four, ninety five, but the first Madden is John Madden, Madden football, <laughs> uh, and it's like I'm not sticking this by itself in the J's <laughs> next to what else is in the <laughs> James Nothing. Bond or something. 
Yeah, James Pond. There you go. <laughs> I don't even know what else there would be. It's like it's on an island over there, so I'm sticking it with the rest of the Maddens. But if you want to go like really, really crazy, the first few systems that I had, and I, I still think this way because it's in my brain, I just kept them in order that I acquired them. Like that was what made sense to me. So I didn't bother alphabetizing. Wow, that's interesting. I couldn't do that now, but I could definitely see like as a kid having like a really tight collection, uh, like completely knowing like this is the new shiny thing. It goes on the end. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. That's really interesting. So, so thinking about that, um, in terms of like, like you said, when you, as a kid, you didn't really, I guess, consider it a collection, but right. has that always been a part of you? Like collecting and organizing things? Is that something that extends even outside of gaming for you? Well, my mom probably wouldn't say organizing is part of it, but <laughs> collecting definitely. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know, like, and I don't want to get too heavy or anything. We, we grew up not like dirt, dirt poor, but we grew up poor enough that like you really kind of treasured the things that you got. And I think that mm. little bit has stuck in my brain ever since. So when I'm ever, ever actually able to acquire something, it's like real special to me, you know, even though now I buying it with my own money and, you know, planning for the purchase, but like that I've achieved a point where I could have this, that meant something. Right. And, uh, it's kind of a little broken thing in my brain. I mean, I'm, I'm not a hoarder. I don't have like newspapers from, uh, you know, the last 20 years <laughs> sitting behind me, <laughs> but I, for sure, you know, uh, yeah, just really like the things. If I'm if I'm into something, I kind of sort of get over into it. I guess I'd put it that way. Anybody that um, is listening that is unfamiliar with your channel, I implore you to go check out. It's just Top Spot One Two Three on YouTube because um, I was watching it earlier and I seriously like gasped out loud when I saw the mini boxes that you made for Game Boy. Holy cow, those most, are freaking awesome. Most popular video, for sure. Yeah, and I can see why, because it's such a... How did you come up with that idea, and, like, what what kind of process goes into, like, it's like, well, I want to make a mini box. Like, how does that happen? So so that one, like, the first couple of, uh, of uh, produced YouTube videos I made, uh, there's one that was just, like, a home movie way back in, like, 2006, but... Uh, the first couple, I was just relaying ideas that I had employed in my own, you know, in my own rooms, in my own house. Um, I thought, well, these are kind of clever solutions to these bigger problems that would happen if you have a big game collection. Well, I kind of got through all those and I didn't have any other content, right? And so it's like, well, I, I've solved the problems that I personally had. Let me put my mind to trying to solve problems that maybe other people face, right? I really, oh, I really didn't okay. have an issue with my Game Boy cartridges. You know, I was literally just going through my daily business at work and trying to sort through. Well, what can I come up with an idea of that maybe I can turn into a video? And mm. that one in particular started off. It was just going to be I was going to make some kind of a sleeve, some kind of a paper sleeve, so that because Game Boy games, as you know, you can't identify what they are unless they're face forward, right? Right. And so the problem is, well, how do you know what the game is? And so I was going mm -hmm. to try to figure out a way of, of making a sleeve and making a template, and then everybody can just download the template or whatever. And as I started to do that, I, I did a Google search to get assets to create a template. I wanted it to sort of look like a box, um, but I didn't know what the, like, the spine of the box would look like. So I Googled it, and I got the full box scan. It's like, well, wait a minute. This like changes everything. You don't have to do right. this from scratch you can just kind of adapt what's already out there. And that video, and I, I actually sat on that for like 14 months uh, before, wow. I, before I finished producing the video um, because just different things came up. I wasn't sure if it was going to work out. I came across problems several months in. At that time, I wasn't producing constant, you know, on any kind of a regular schedule. It was just whenever something um, would go in, I'd put a video out. Uh, but I worked on it and I worked on it. I think I made a pretty good video out of it and, uh, you know, I launched it. Yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed that video. I still get good feedback from that even now. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. And to speak to that, I mean, 14 months, that's, that's insane. Like Alex and I talk all the time about how nice it is to get sort of that instant feedback. Like knowing me, that video would have been a three-part video that I would have released over time just so that I could keep getting feedback on the work that I've been doing. So, so to sit on that idea for that long and, and then put it out, that's, that's pretty interesting. And you're really thorough. Like you don't really leave a stone unturned to the point that you'll do something you kind of already know is a bad idea, 
just to prove it for viewers. Right. You know, is that how you are all the time? Does your job require you to be that way? Like, where does that come from? Well, that's a good question. I don't know, actually. Um, Basically, you know what it really comes from? I will say one thing about listening to Drunk Friend is the people you've had on are so relatable because, like, I look up to all you guys, but it sounds like nobody really knows what they're doing. <laughs> um, and, and where that comes from for me, trying to be thorough like that, is to head off any um, negative feedback or bad comments. So I want to be ahead of them, right? Um, and and kind of tell you right up front, I know this is not going to work, but let's see why. Um, and part of it, too, is just the insecurity of not wanting to put up something bad, you know? So I'm going to go through as stringent a process as I can to try to get it refined to a point that it's, you know, acceptable for people to watch. Right on. Because I definitely, of all things, I just don't want to waste people's time, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, um, the thing that I always get hung up on is, is this video useful? Yeah. Like, will people get a use out of this video somehow? And your channel is one of the most useful, like, retro gaming channels out there because it's something everybody has to deal with. Like you said, it's what do I do with all this stuff that I've accumulated? Yeah. And um, I have like a personal thing that I wanted to get your feedback on um, because I was just watching your review of the, what are those game cases called? The um, custom game cases.com custom game cases. Yeah. yeah. Those, those folks see, I have, I think 45 or 46 super Nintendo boxes. They're in uh, box protectors. Meanwhile, the, cartridges i have are i have probably more than a 150 at this point um and i don't really i'm not thrilled with the idea of just having my carts out the way they are now just on ikea billy shelves but i also am not thrilled with the idea of like doubling up on the display with a with a case because i've got the in some cases i've got the box and then i'll have a case do you know what i mean yeah i know exactly what you like mean um, yeah, it would be redundant well, to have my, the game Mine on are stored that way. I've got cartridges in one place and all the boxes in another. So I'm living that reality right now. Yeah, so what's your thoughts on that? Are you okay with that? Or <sighs> would you rather just have... Well, see... Like, I'm thinking about making mini boxes. Like, those are awesome. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty attractive. And what I like about them, especially if, you, uh, if your shelves are pretty full, like I showed in the video, you actually can lay them to the, you know... Um, so they go deep into the shelf and still see what the game is. So it doesn't take up vertical space, right? Um, anyway, I'm kind of <laughs> getting into the weeds on it. Uh, what's my thoughts on it? I mean, this is one of those things that we all talk about when you have, when you have a collection. Um, you just got to find what you think is best for you. Um, I've got some ideas that um, a video that I plan to make later in the year about media shelving that's going to kind of address that and Nintendo 64 cartridges in a different way that I haven't seen people do yet, um, but that's going to be, you know, down the road. I've got a, a backlog of, of things I want to make, so. I just wanted to throw an example out there, like, in case people aren't familiar with your channel. Like, this is the kind of stuff he gets into, and it's, it's like, nitty-gritty, like, how, like, here are your options, here's, here's what you can do, here's what you can make yourself, which really gets me, really gets me excited because... My mom is the creative one in my family, and she's still, to this day, she's 68 years old, and she still makes clothes. She still awesome. sews all the time, makes all sorts of stuff. So she's the creative one, and I kind of have that, too, where I really like making stuff like that. So I'm really excited to like sit down and like try and work this out and try and make some of this stuff. I don't have a laminator or anything. Those are pretty cheap, though, aren't they? Like, yeah, uh, like I got one for 20 bucks at a grocery store, actually. Um a grocery store. Yeah, wow. for real. Like Aldi. I don't know if you know Aldi. They had yeah, one, yeah. they had one for twenty dollars once and uh, a paper cutter huh. for like fifteen. So it's like, um, yeah, I think that's gonna suit me. <laughs> Jeez, I only thought yeah. you could get just like discounted carrots there. That's crazy. <laughs> well, that too, and plus Amazon Basics, they've got stuff like that too. But the lamination isn't like required. You can do it without the laminator. Oh, it's got to be laminated. Okay, it looks okay. so cool. <laughs> It looks awesome when it's like it looks like a the real thing, but just smaller, yeah, just shrunk. Yeah, it's it's really neat how that worked out, and and really what makes that work just the coincidence of the box, uh, the dimensions, the ratio being similar to the cartridge ratio. You know, it's a rectangular box of a certain size, and the cartridge kind of matches it. So when you shrink mm. it down, it just fits. 
But then you've yeah. got the issue with books, though. Where where, where are you going to put your instruction manuals? Uh, I've got a separate spot for those, but I can oh, see so how do I. Yeah, would, <laughs> would be uh, would be turned off by that for sure. Yeah, yeah. And and speaking of like, you know, I, I think there are there are a few channels out there that dabble in display ideas and that kind of thing. But I think what really sets yours apart is that you know, and I mentioned this early. You you really leave no stone unturned, and I was really taken aback because I was. I was watching a few of your videos that I'd actually already watched just to to prime for this interview. And I was like, man, he mm-hmm. doesn't, he really doesn't leave anything out. Like I've watched tutorial videos that go from like step A to step B, but I feel like there should have been like an A and a half in there to get me to that point. But you really take the time to, you know, you talk about, okay, so you're going, you're going to find this thing you want on this website. You're going to go here, but you might find out that it's not the right size because it's inconsistent. So here's actually how you would change it if it were mm-hmm. the wrong size. So you, you basically go ahead, you catch like anything that could go wrong. And that's so, that's so awesome. That's such like, it's such consideration for your viewer. Like you, it doesn't feel like you're, you know, treating us like we're stupid. Well, that's, that's the struggle is I don't <laughs> want to like, you know, uh, condescend to anybody. So it's like, do I really need these, these next six sentences? Right. Is are people. So like, if I've done a similar project, a lot of times I will drop out some of those steps because like you've seen me do something just like this four times already. Right. So just like, I hope these people have seen my previous ones, but that's just kind of the compromises you've got to make to, to kind of keep it peppy. Yeah. And I think you have a great balance. And on top of that, I think part of what makes it easy to, to follow and understand because I sometimes will watch those videos and get inspired, but they don't really teach me enough to do it on my own. But you have these editing skills where you actually show things sort of being cut and done and manipulated. And where does that come from? Like your video editing skills are, you know, from from where I sit, like just basically dabbling in YouTube. I have no editing skills. If if my software didn't have the four transitions it had, my right. videos wouldn't they wouldn't have any pizzazz. <laughs> well, I, I think your editing is fine, by the way. Well thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um I, I can't tell you where I got that from. Um it's really just from having consumed video content my whole life. Um, movies and and just being big into YouTube and and kind of being self-taught really um I just pay a lot of attention to how like the people who I look up to how do they do these things how do they tell their stories um and I kind of steal from everybody uh Trav I just stole from you the video I put up yesterday has a little bit in there as an homage to you so if you oh, get a chance <laughs> to watch it you'll see yeah Folks, you should check that out. It's when E3 came to your mailbox. It's pretty cool. I haven't seen, I'm at four minutes and 36 seconds in. I haven't finished it. So, um, but I plan to, but yes. You'll come, you'll come across. There's a little bit in there that uh, is just for you. Oh, thank you. You're awesome. Yeah. But yeah, so like, do you get compliments on, on the, the editing skills? Cause I feel like it's so well done and I, I skimmed through the comments and no one's like, wow, that was cool editing, but I'm maybe just an editing nerd. I don't know. Right. Um, I get con- <laughs> comments like that from time to time, mostly um, earlier on when I was, uh, you know, collecting more subscribers. Um, most of the people who watch me now, it's like a consistent group, I feel like. So um, even though I do have some videos take off a little bit, um, I don't get as many of those comments these days. Um, and I don't think my editing has gotten worse. I just no. think people kind of know what to expect um, if they've been following the channel for a while. So I still, I, I appreciate you saying it, though. It really does mean a lot. Uh, that's honestly of the whole bit coming up with the ideas for whatever the video might be. And editing is my absolute favorite part. I don't think I'm good enough to be an editor for somebody else, but it truly is my favorite bit um, part of the process. I suffer through the parts I don't like just so I can get to the editing. And, you know, it's like <laughs> it's like creating something from nothing. You've got all these disparate pieces, but you've got to piece them together into something that makes sense. So. Um, that's what I like to do. That's what's cool about editing, I think, is that it's not that hard, at least not to me, to to kind of just get the grasp of because it's really is just monkey see, monkey do. It's like you just yeah. try and replicate the rhythm you're used to seeing on TV, on YouTube, you know, anywhere. And you do really pick up your own sense of rhythm ba- based mm-hmm. on how you talk and what what you're talking about. And that sort of stuff. What you're doing, though, is you're not using game footage all that much. You're using more of like a point-and-shoot uh, kind of a camera setup. Right. Um, and you've got, like, like <laughs> what I'm trying to get at is that um, <laughs> I tried doing that myself, and it just wasn't good. It didn't look good. 
I did this like Nintendo Power kind of a thing where I had a GoPro mm-hmm. and a tripod kind of pointing straight down at it and it just nothing I did seemed to like work or like look good or just kind of fit my eye. Um, do you have that problem at all or have you been doing this long enough now where you, you know exactly what to expect? No, I do. I have no idea what to do. Um, I, I, <laughs> I constantly create video that's no good to use and I have to do it two, three or four times. Um, the, uh, custom video cases.com video. I shot that entire thing front to back three times, uh, all because like I had my ISO setting set to automatic. So every time something, it would catch a reflection. It would it would jump to dark real fast for no reason, right? And I wanted a mm. good, clean, consistent look across that video. Um, I'm learning a lot. Shooting is my least one of my least favorite parts. I really hate to actually film. Um, I wish I was doing gameplay video sometimes because uh, I think that wouldn't uh, you know bum me out as much. Um, but it helps. My wife is actually a professional photographer. Um, oh, her, her specialty is still photography but she still knows enough to help me out. Um, some of the, nice. sometimes the issue is I can't really uh, find the right words to communicate the look I'm trying to go for. You know, I just have to like grunt out as best I can <laughs> what I want this to look like. Uh, but she's patient with me and, and she gives me a hand and uh, yeah. There's just so many variables. Like there's light, yeah. mm-hmm. there's color, there's all this like crap that's, and then there's stuff out of my control, like all this dog fur everywhere. And it's like <laughs> <laughs> invades my shots. And I'm like, oh man, what am I going to do? And there, I hate it because it's like, there's too much stuff going on that yeah. you have to account for. There's sound, you know, sometimes, and it's just, ugh. so I, when I see stuff put on display and it looks like really clean like the way that you do it i, I have to point it out because it's like i know that's really hard to do uh to make it look as as nice as you do with like their correct lighting so you can properly see like the sheen that you put on things you yeah. know or or whatever the case may be so i appreciate that well thank you and, and again i'm just doing my best i've messed up a few of my videos because i had the wrong frame rate set or whatever but mm. most of the time uh with the project videos i'm kind of one and done so it's like i only bought enough supplies to make this once (laughs) so i better get it right the first time and that's part of the planning process too and and why i'm so i don't want to say i'm thoughtful about it but why i put so much thought into it beforehand because i just don't have the time or the, the materials to waste and try it 16 times before i get it right you know and then part of it, too, is like trying to head off all those mistakes so that I can prevent other people from making them as part of my narrative, mm. you know? Sure. Yeah, I, I God, was wondering, was... like, how often the the oopsies that you talk about are the things that you discovered along the way that actually stopped the video making momentum. Like, how many times are you like, oh, this is a good idea. I'll film this part. I'm going to do this. Oh, that was a terrible outcome. And then you sort of <laughs> have to reframe the narrative uh-huh. a little bit to say actually yep. this this was a bad idea like is that yep. part of it or is it all kind of figured uh, out before you script it no it's it's extremely frequently what you mentioned so like i do like i write the script based on how i believe it's going to happen <laughs> i try to <laughs> adhere to that because it writing the script also kind of gives me a shooting script so i know all the shots that i need to get but then shooting makes me go back and revise the script and then it's it's a real back and forth process um the mini game box thing Midway through the video, I mentioned I do this whole production where, well, if you're going to laminate it, you also have to use the spray glue because if you don't, the box might come apart in a way that you wouldn't be mm. satisfied with, right? Right. The only reason I know that is because that happened to all my boxes. Oh, no. <laughs> and and I had to start over. It's like, is this going to scrap this video idea or am I going to figure out a solution for it? And I, you know, found a solution that didn't make too much more effort you know into it and that made it into the video that was just coming off at the bottom was it coming off like on the edges too mostly like where you would fold it um it okay it, it could be around the cut edges because really lamination is made to stick to itself um it sort of sticks to the paper but it really sticks to itself so if you cut hmm. off the areas where the lamination meets there's nothing mm-hmm. really there for it to stick to that much anymore um, gotcha. it sticks somewhat, but again, but you know, by adding that spray adhesive, it just solved the whole thing and they look, you know, pretty good. 
Very cool. Man, I'm so excited to make some of my own <laughs> boxes. <laughs> I'm sure I'm going to screw it up and then, you know, be like, oh, what am I doing well, wrong? Everybody, I, the video I, I tell them just make at least one, you know, treat yourself, yeah. do one, and then make it your favorite game or whatever you want it to be. Because like you said, you get hundreds of cartridges. That 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 would be a definite time sink if you were going to try to do them all. But uh, if you got a favorite, you know, make one and, and make a little display out of it. I'm thinking Super Famicom would be good because yeah. I've got a few loose cartridges that don't really have an end label. In fact, let me take a look at this real quick. Yeah. There's no end label on Super Famicom cartridges. It's just right. the front base label. I forgot about that. So yeah, that would be perfect. Uh, nice. Yeah, I've got like Rockman's, Rockman 7 and Sonic Wings and shit like that. So good deal. I'm excited. <laughs> That's cool, man. Really cool. Yeah. Arts and crafts. Yeah, you mentioned uh, supplies earlier, and sometimes mm -hmm. in your videos you take your camera into the store and point out materials for people, and it's so like well narrated. I'm sure that's done after the fact, but it, it seems like it's always done, or a lot of the times it's done in like one seamless cut, and so it's pretty impressive yeah. to me. Has anyone ever thought you were weird videotaping a printer inside uh, of a, um, you know, wherever you I, go, a Kinko's? Again, I'm, I'm awfully self-conscious. I try not to draw a lot of attention to myself. Uh, the last time I was in a print shop, it was a GoPro strapped to my chest, you know, but I kind of <laughs> had a, a hoodie on over it. So it just kind of pointed out front. Um, so, yeah, I try not to make a big uh, other people. They just film whatever they live stream wherever they are. But I'm just not bold like that. And I just don't want anybody to hassle me. So I try not to make it a big production. So I'll just whip out my phone and grab some footage or something like that. Yeah, I was I was curious about that because I think I'm the same way. Like, you know, e even at cons, like if I wanted to take a video of something, I still feel self con even though everyone has yeah. their phones out. I just don't. Yeah, it's just not part of my personality is to to videotape and and do things like that out, you know, in front of people. I don't know why, but I'm um, with you. Yeah, I was curious about that. Like, yeah, is it because you know, it's not like you're, it's not like you're in like a an animal shop or like a pet shop or something. Like you're literally just looking at printer paper, taking a video, and like, what do people think? you're up to with that <laughs> well the store is pretty cleared out at that time so yeah uh yeah there weren't too many people around i think we were probably just too old like our our uh first instinct is to actually look with our eyes instead <laughs> of look through our cameras on our phone yeah it could I, be. I, i've i've noticed that with with younger kids like my my girlfriend's niece is 14 and just everything is she sees it through her camera before she sees it with her eyes and it's it's kind of frustrating because it's like, don't you get sick of that? <laughs> but you know, I guess the answer is no. It's just they don't even think about that's, it. Whereas me, that's like, their world. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not thinking about my phone when I see like a concert or, you know, when I'm doing something or I don't know. I'm I'm so but, bad yeah. at getting my phone out in time. Like by the time I get the idea, like oh oh, I should be recording this. It takes me forever <laughs> to get my right. phone out and then like I wait for like the camera to flip because my daughter does stupid shit all the time and I'm like, oh my God, this would be great. And then by the time I get the the, cam the phone and the camera out, she's moved on to something else. So I, I wish I had over. those 14 year old skills to just be able to record something on, you know, command or like immediately when I have the idea, but I fumble. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just because cameras are omnipresent, whereas cameras back when I was a kid you had to, you know, you okay, we got 24 shots. Right. Um you, you got you got to keep that in the back of your mind. If you see an opportunity for a shot, especially when you're on vacation, you got to take that shot. Like if you run into John Davidson, former host of Hollywood Squares, out on the street, he's wearing a goofy striped shirt with shorts. He, he looks weird. His hair is amazing. Really <laughs> handsome guy. You got to get that camera out and take that picture. Even if he's not looking at you, even if you never notice him, you're just gonna take it far away like a creep. <laughs> by the way, it's a true story. By the way, it's a true story. Yeah, I it was it was awfully Davidson. specific. Yeah, I was like, man, that's incredible <laughs> improv. <laughs> Nicely done. There. Yeah, that's incredible. Nice. Yeah, unless it's like the like, like you said, if it's one of the last three uh, slots left in the film, you might have to think about it. You'd be like, well, what if? What if I saw right. somebody cooler than John Davidson here? At the, <laughs> at the end? What if I run into Alanis Morissette? <laughs> oh my you God! Never know. Uh, that's a, speaking of Ugh. humor, uh, top spot. You find really sneaky ways to embed humor in your videos. That you know, you, you, from an outsider, you know, maybe people listening to this that maybe they don't care about you know, fancying up their collection. You might just sound to them like some boring Martha Stewart tutorial guy. But I managed to catch some real funny stuff in your videos every now and then are there any little gags you're most proud of or ones that you think go unfairly unnoticed 
Uh, <laughs> well, the whole point of hiding it is that I'm not trying to draw a lot of attention to it. So, like, I mean, we're having a conversation here. I'm, I'm kind of, my humor more comes from wit, but I can't, like, write comedy. I just can't do it. Like, I really envy you, Travis. You've made some really funny things, um, you know, uh, just over the years, uh, including your other podcasts. And I'm just not funny in that way unless I'm playing off somebody, right? So... I do the best I can, right? It's just an idea occurs to me, and I'll throw it in, and maybe someone will catch it. Uh, it's kind of that MST3K thing. Like, I bet no one's going to notice this, but the people who <laughs> do, they're going to really think it's funny. <laughs> but sometimes I think I undersell it so much that you don't even know a joke was there. So it's something I'm trying to work on. <laughs> well, I appreciate you saying what you did, and I discovered one in a rewatch of one of your videos uh, last night that I somehow missed before, and it's it's kind of an obvious uh, low-hanging fruit joke, but you did mm-hmm. hide it perfectly because you build onto this thing about how you're, you have to get the right size paper to fit your DVD cases. You have mm-hmm. to get the right size paper. Some are, in, some are different. You can tape them together. That's a bad idea because the, the tape will melt inside the laser jet. All that, that's all good. Then you get to talking about the A4 printer paper, like, hey, this this right here could be a good size, and you've built this, like, you sort of every printer paper size you've mentioned so far has been like not quite good enough, and then you mm-hmm. get you get to the A4 and you say, and this one has a height of eleven point six nine inches. Nice, nice. And <laughs> and the first time I watched that video, I was like, nice. It's it's a perfect size, but I didn't catch that it was the <laughs> six nine that right. that precipitated the nice, and I almost <laughs> fell off the treadmill because I was like, that's that's so good. He just hid that right there. It's so perfect. And he didn't linger well, on thank it you. and didn't build up to it. So, yeah, that's the kind of humor you get with a Top Spot video. It's amazing. Well, maybe not amazing, but I try my best. Like, you need to be entertained. And so <laughs> I just try to throw a few things in there. Because really, it's, it's I'm not just, again, I'm, I'm trying to make it worth people watching. So if I could throw a nice joke in there or whatever. Um, my favorite one I ever did, uh, I actually put this on Twitter a while back. I did this out of the blue Beverly Hillbillies reference when I was talking about printers. Because everyone was commenting to me how much printer ink was, right? And uh, it is expensive. I understand it's expensive. But, like, if you're going to do a home project, sometimes you just got to do it if that's what you're going to do. But uh, so I showed all these comments where people were concerned with the the price of the printer ink. And so I kind of lackened it to oil for the Beverly Hillbillies. So I said it was the bubble jet crude uh, (laughs) ink, that is, (laughs) black gold Technicolor tea. Nice. And so that was kind of a funny bit all by itself. But in that moment, I had a bunch of printers sweep by the screen, and one of them uh, was an Epson printer, but I changed the logo to say Ebson, which Buddy Ebson played Jet Clampett. So that, that was my little joke to myself, because I knew it's so small, no one's really going to see or notice this. But, like, I'm going to put this joke out there. I let the video sit a year, and I revealed that the joke was there the whole time. So <laughs> that one was one. I don't know where these thoughts come from, but I was particularly <laughs> proud of that one. They're like little Easter eggs. I, I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good stuff. That's, the, that's what's so much fun about uh, Mystery Science Theater, since you brought that up. I remember right. uh, watching... You know, when you discover something like that, something little like that, you feel like the video is made just for you. Exactly. That's my favorite part of that. Um, I remember Mystery Science Theater referenced Al Noga, who is a former Minnesota Vikings defensive end, and he was not a star, but he wasn't a bum either. Nobody knew about this guy, but I had some <laughs> of his football cards. And I was like, did he just say Al Noga? Like, what? like, why would he, number one, why would he say that? Number two, how do they know who Al Noga is? Like, this is crazy. So at that, at that point, like, I thought that show was, like, made specifically for me. Right. So all stuff like that is always going to be a huge hit, in my opinion. I, it, it can't not work for, for at least some people out there. Yeah, that's incredible. So I, digging through your catalog, there is a video on there. It's eight hours long. Yeah. And, um... <laughs> it's it's of you earning one point in Desert Bus, the notoriously long and boring pin and teller, quote unquote, mini game. Do you care to elaborate on that experience? And I know I think there was probably a charity involved, but what was that? What was that all about? And what was that experience like? Okay, so that was like one of my gaming bucket list items, right? Um, I've known about the game since it was going to be released, and uh, you know, eventually it got leaked to the internet. 
So what it's about is, I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, Desert Bus for Hope. They're an annual charity event. They play that game for uh, basically a week nonstop um, with all the proceeds that they raise going to Child's Play Charity. So one year when they started up the game, I started up and bust along with them for the first eight hours, right? So they were keeping me company by doing their live stream charity, and I was uh, crossing this bucket list item off my off my uh, list. Um, and that was actually on Twitch. And then a year later, I took that uh, archive from Twitch and put it up on YouTube just so that it was somewhere, right? And just to kind of direct people, I, I timed it to that year's Desert Bus for Hope. So if you read the de- the description, it kind of explains all that and that, uh, you know, if you've got something to give, that's a, a fairly worthy cause. Very cool. Nice. Yeah, that's it's a, it is a good cause. I had heard about it. I, I don't know firsthand what the experience is like because you can't just you can't not pay attention to it because it drifts. Right. So you have to be tuned in. Yeah, that that game in particular is is eight hours. It's not like deep focus, but it's eight hours of focus. Um, they they set you up driving a bus across uh, a featureless desert for eight hours. That's how long it takes to get from Phoenix, Arizona to Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, your bus is is a broken down old bus. It only will reach like 45 miles an hour. That's why it takes eight hours to get there. There's a there's a drift in the steering. So if you like just tape down the, the gas button, you'll actually drift off to the side of the road and your bus will overheat. So every few seconds, you've got to correct back onto the road. So it's just literally eight hours of tedium. That uh, minigame was from a... Uh, a canceled Sega CD project from Penn and Teller. And at the time it was a response to, to Janet Reno and, and the video game violence thing. And it's like, and, and it was kind of a, a performative piece saying, well, if you want video games to be realistic, this is verisimilitude. People have jobs like this. Let's show you what a, a video game is. If it tries to mimic real life. Right. That's insane. So how, how crazy did you feel? Well, again, I, I was able to, you know, watch them and, and uh, you know, I wasn't just, you know, holed up in my room by myself. I mean, I was, but I was paying as much attention to their shenanigans as I was my own right. driving. Right. And on Twitch, I had people showing up like asking, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so and every time I had to, OK, this is a game. It was, you know, give the whole explanation again. But it was a, it was a good time. It's so like, I guess the next thing on the bucket list is to uh you're given an option when you reach Vegas to turn the bus around and dra- drive eight hours back. Ugh. So I guess the next bucket list item would be to earn two points. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, my God. <laughs> what would be some other jobs that uh, would not necessarily lend themselves very well to that same format? Obviously, I don't know. It seems like uh, aren't the truck simulator mm-hmm. games? A huge hit overseas, like in Germany, I want to say, or something like that. Sounds right. I know trains. There's a bunch of train games. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you don't even have to steer that. Like you can just (laughs) yeah, chill. Good point. Yeah, yeah. Some people dig that stuff. I don't. I can't understand why. I have a hard time relating to that. But train game is the easy mode for Desert Buff. So there's some train aficionado out there. It's like you have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, she's <laughs> adjusting I his stay in my lane. <laughs> well done. Adjusting his conductor hat. How, how dare you? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, so I think we're probably nearing the end of some questions here. I'll just go ahead and ask. Um, and you you sort of alluded to a couple, but what were your inspirations for starting your YouTube channel, if any? Maybe you just started it yeah. for yourself, but what would you say those inspirations are? Uh, pretty easy. Like um, everyone's going to say, you know, angry video game nerd. And it wasn't that I ever thought I could do anything like he did. I'm not that personality type and I'm not confident enough to try to be funny like that. But he just showed that as a guy, you can just put a video out. Right. Um, mm. and, and I was big into YouTube from from the very beginning. And YouTube has changed so much over the years. Like people don't even really know. But I've been watching it really since it all began. And so I've I've had a lot of influences for for editing. Honestly, people don't talk about zero punctuation enough um, mm, to yeah. show how oh. how you can match images to your script. And they influenced like extra credits, which I also watched a lot of. And just as far as you know, my first few videos, like it was me trying to show a, a funny internet picture for like every noun and verb. Like it was kind of <laughs> ridiculous. And then I kind of chilled out with that. 
because it was like cuts all the time. <laughs> but then beyond that, um, I got to go to like the King of Random. Uh, his earliest stuff is a lot of tutorials. And that's what I found I like to watch. And if I were to able to contribute something, I wanted to contribute some kinds of tutorials. And that's kind of what got me going there. Very cool. You just reminded me of uh, Yahtzee Croshaw from yeah. way back when. I haven't. I he kind of fell off my radar. I yeah, he's to... he's still just as big out there making content as ever. Yeah. Yeah, he was like one of the the, the not the compliment to Anger Video Game Nerd, but he was right there too. Yeah. In terms of just making not only just funny content, but really good reviews, like insightful yeah. stuff. Like Absolutely. his Silent Hill Two review was really good. Yeah, it was, it was definitely something that, uh, you know, growing up and seeing people can do this and how they do it. And again, mm -hmm. I just try to crib notes as best I can from as many places as I can. That's very cool. Yeah. Right uh, speaking of Yahtzee, Croshaw and Zero Punctuation, I would say of all of the YouTube content that I soak in, I find his stuff to be the most rewatchable because, again, it goes mm -hmm. so fast. You miss jokes all the time. And I can go back and watch, <laughs> yep. you know, reviews of games that I've already played or don't care about and just watch those videos over again because there's some editing gag in there that will undoubtedly make me laugh. He's extremely talented. A choice of words. Yeah, Choice absolutely. of words and just visual. You know, it's, it's, it's very simple visual gags. He's not, going, he's not stepping too far away from MS Paint, but right. it's always solid. Plus, he, he always uses, like, he has running gags, too. Like, when he ever, he talks about PC games, he, he uses, like, the PC Master, Master Race, Race guy with the hair <laughs> yeah. and the buffed-up torso. That always gets a laugh out of me. Yeah. Solid stuff. So, do we have any listener questions, Alex? We really only have one good one, and it comes from TSL2018, or... 2018 i guess <laughs> with so many different youtube retro gaming channels on youtube how do you try and keep your channel unique and current good question who wants to go first i try to keep my channel unique and current by doing exactly what snes drunk does with games that were made 35 years ago so i'm neither unique or current um but i will say it is important that even if you do rip off the guy you like in terms of content, <laughs> always let your personality shine through your stuff, and that will make it yours. That I think that's that's an important aspect. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with with uh, emulating what other people do. Certainly, we've all done it. You have to do it. There's only so many ways you can present information in video form, but as long as your personality is in there and you're not trying to be someone you're not, that's that will make it unique enough. And if, if you're just starting out, take the time to find out what that personality will be for video form. Um, yeah. Because it's not immediate when you start. It's, I mean, it, it took me, lit I mean, I've been doing, I just recently crossed three years of doing a video a month. Now, that's nothing to you guys. That's nothing to a lot of YouTubers. And I don't want to make it sound like I don't uh, respect the format because you guys actually put a lot of work into it. It's really a hobby for me. But, uh, like, <laughs> after three years... Literally, 2020 was the first time I stopped cringing at sound at the sound of my voice. <laughs> like literally, this year I finally got over it. Yeah, yeah. The um, it's easier said than done getting your personality across on scripts or just through the written word, basically, or through voiceovers for that matter. There's kind of mm -hmm. two layers to it. Like for example, my dad is like probably the smartest and definitely the most well-read guy uh, I've ever known. And he texts, like, you know, in all caps, bad grammar, <laughs> bad, uh, you know, just I don't know what he's saying half the time or what he's referencing. And it's like some people just, <laughs> it just doesn't click it with them in terms of, like, just casually sending texts and stuff like that. Like, Pearl and I, we're really lucky that um, both, it comes easy to both of us to get our personalities across you know, whether it's casually, like if we're just talking to each other online or talking to other people online, it's 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 always kind of come naturally. But um, it's it does take practice. That's for sure. I'm lucky in that I was kind of um, I've been on the Internet since like the AOL days when I was 14 years old back in, mm -hmm. you know, the mid 90s. Mm -hmm. or, and even before that, it was Prodigy. So I've been, you know, doing the writing thing, chat thing, all that. I think that really helped me kind of help get my personality across in videos and stuff like that uh if that makes sense sure. yeah absolutely i actually you brought up a good point i think i'm more effective in 
in embellishing my personality through writing than I am even through speaking because I've spent so much t- so much of my life communicating through the ends of my fingertips and really not my mouth <laughs> as much that there are times where I'll like write a script for a game and then I'll I'll read it and I'll do the voiceover and then when I'm editing the video I'm like no I didn't really write it to sound like that I don't know why the voiceover like yeah. you know the way I inflected it when I actually recorded the audio sounded you know less funny or less sincere like it wasn't what was in my head and that happens a lot where there's just there's a disconnect between my writing mm-hmm. and my speaking um that I don't always catch yeah yeah absolutely. that happens to me too yeah a lot of retakes and uh editing in bits trying to make it match yeah all that absolutely yeah and sometimes I'm too lazy to do that and I'm like it's good enough <laughs> um <laughs> good enough for government work yeah. as they say yeah absolutely uh, maybe not this government <laughs> but anyway <laughs> so topper before we close out here a little over a week ago you sent me a message with a link to a video from a channel i had not seen before genovi and in that mm-hmm. video he highlighted what he thought were the best channels under 2000 subs within the retro gaming community of course and i was surprised to find nest friend featured there and it turns Yay. out genovi had solicited some nominations for that list and you had kindly offered my channel as a candidate and thanks to that i uh, i crossed that 1k milestone thanks to that video this week and now can bother Woo-hoo! yes thank you so much i can now bother everyone with the community tab so i wanted to thank hey. you so much uh hopefully i can return the favor here and send some drunk friends over to catch top spot one two three on youtube and they can upgrade their game rooms but uh, thank you so much for that man that really means a lot that's awesome Hey, absolutely no problem. Actually, uh, there's nothing, nothing to thank me for. That was work that you earned on your own. I just put put a, put, put your work in front of his eyes, and, and he thought you was worthy, and that's all you did that. So Awesome. Well, thanks, man. I, I, I appreciate all the support. And uh, yeah, I guess that's been another Drunk Friend podcast. Um, right, Alex? Are we all done here? <laughs> yeah, we're good. <laughs> Got to ask the boss's permission to sign off. sounded very unsure for a second. <laughs> is this okay is it cool to end this are you done i'm done okay uh all right well this has been another drunk friend podcast be sure to check out polykill.com to find more podcasts like this one and once again reach out to us at drunkfriendpodcast at gmail.com to drop a line if you'd simply like to help out the show you can uh rate and review us wherever you listen yes please do that we're on twitter as well i'm at trav plays games alex is of course at snes drunk you can find top spot at top spot one two three and as usual, we got to give a shout out to Coolor for the podcast music. The song you heard is called Electric Star Bounce, and you can find a link to more of his music on the Buzzsprout podcast page. Be sure to catch us all on YouTube, and thanks for listening. And we hope you have a great rest of your day. Everybody take care. Yeah.